Thanks for joining us for this message from Awakened Church. We believe in the power of God's Word, and we pray that you're encouraged by this message. Now lean in as we hear from God's Word together. We're going to be continuing a series that we've been in for the last couple of weeks called The Runaway. This has been a series that's been taking us through the book of Jonah. Um, what we've been doing as we study this, is we've been talking about how we don't want to repeat the mistakes that Jonah made. Jonah was called to go out, and he did not do that. He was running from God, running the opposite direction. And we want to learn from Jonah um, and learn from his mistakes. We have said several times as we've been going through this series that it's possible to have the word of God in us, like Jonah did, and not have the heart of God in us. So that's what we're kind of working through as we've been studying this book. And we're getting close to the end. Today we're going to pick up in Jonah chapter 3 verse 10. That's where we're going to start. And then we're going to enter into chapter 4. So you guys can start turning there to get yourselves kind of prepared. And it was very interesting. I've spent a lot of time studying this. And while I was studying and getting prepared, um, I really noticed that uh, what we're going to be looking at reminded me of this crazy moment that happened to me a few years ago. Um, so a while back, um, I was driving to church with my dad and my brother. It was really early in the morning um, at the time, and as we were driving to church, um, no one else was really on the roads. Everyone was still asleep. The sun had barely even come up at this point. And while we're going, we're all tired and groggy, and there's nobody else on the road, really, at all. Um, we're driving down, down, down this road, and we look out pretty far in the distance, there's one single other car out on this road with us, driving towards us. And as this car is driving towards us, we're noticing it's being kind of weird. Like they're doing some weird stuff. The car is kind of swerving around, like on the road. It's not just like little swerves either, like, you know, like what everybody has once in a while. But like, it's like big swerves, like into the next lane beside them halfway, and then all the way back into their lane, and then into the shoulder, and almost hitting the curb, and then swerving back out. And we're starting to think like, that's really, really weird. There's something wrong with that person. Like, we couldn't tell. Maybe they're drunk. Maybe they're falling asleep at the wheel. They could be having some kind of health emergency. But clearly, there's a problem happening here. Um, clearly there's an issue. And so we're watching this car swerve, and we're getting a little nervous because we're getting closer to them now. <laughs> the distractions. Here, would you please hold that? So anyways, we're seeing this car swerve and, and move all over, all over the road, and we're getting nervous as we're approaching it. And as we're getting closer, um, my dad starts honking the horn to try to get their attention, and they're not responding at all. They actually swerve and they bump off of the curb on their side of the road and ricochet off and start traveling all the way across their lane, then the next lane, then the middle lane, then into our side of the road, and then into our lane. And now we're coming for a head-on collision. We are on a collision course now. And all of us are starting to feel really tense and really concerned about what's going to happen. And again, my dad's honking and they're just not paying attention. They're not responding. And we're, we're thinking this guy has got to, to swerve and get back on their side of the road. So my dad doesn't want to swerve um, into the other lane because if they try to correct, they're going to hit us still. So my dad's thinking, well, what are we going to do here? And it's getting to some dire situation now. Like we are definitely about to hit. And at this point, I've accepted my fate. I reach up and I grab the emergency handle and I'm all right, this is, what we're, this is what, how my life ends. That's, that's kind of how I felt. 
And at the very last possible second, my dad's like, okay, we got to address this. They are not, they're not going to turn. And my dad swerves and drives up over the curb. We drive through a set of bushes. They go flying over the hood of our car. We go onto a sidewalk. We're skidding. We're about to hit a fence, a big block wall. We skid, miss the fence, back across the sidewalk, hit another set of bushes. They go flying over the car, dodge a tree, fall back, back onto the road. And we're all like breathing kind of heavy right now. And we look inside the rearview mirror and that car is still just going the wrong way. They still haven't gotten their acts together. They were on this collision course with us. And that reminds me so much about what we're going to be reading today because Jonah is on this collision course with God. He's been running the opposite direction for a very long time. That's going to be the title of today's message, Collision Course. As we're looking at Jonah, what we're going to be seeing is Jonah has really drifted pretty far off the, off the path. He's going the direct opposite way of God's desires, God's heart. And there's a lot of reasons that, that lead to that that we're going to kind of talk about today. Now, if you haven't been with us each week or you're just getting on board or you need a, a reminder, where we left off last week um, and where we're about to be jumping in, um, Jonah had gotten spit, in, spit out of the fish, vomited onto land. He had repented when he got swallowed by that fish and God saved his life. Um, he walks to Nineveh, the city he was supposed to go to originally, he speaks to the, to the Ninevites over the course of a couple days and tells them, 40 days, your judgment is coming. Um, that's it. Your time's up. And then he, he goes out of the city. That's where we kind of left off last week. And we're jumping in as Jonah is now leaving the city. And what we're going to be seeing is that Jonah, again, his heart and his perspective on the world is just driving the complete opposite direction. He's on this collision course with God. And I want us to learn as we study this why Jonah is living like this, how he keeps finding himself in this place, and then how we can avoid that, how we don't repeat his mistakes. So let's start off. We're going to read um, chapter 3, verse 10, and then we'll just read the first verse of chapter 4 in Jonah. It says, when God saw what they did, how the Ninevites had turned from their evil way, God relented from the disaster that he had said that he was going to do to them, and he did not do it. But it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he was angry. Let's stop right here. Now, what we learn from this little part, we're going to see this is going to apply to us, and this is part of the reason why Jonah is behaving this way. This is our first point. Our nature is the polar opposite of God's nature. Our nature is the polar opposite of God's nature. So again, Jonah had gone into this city of the Ninevites, this pagan city, they don't believe in God. They're not following the God of Israel at all. They're worshiping other gods. They're doing some really terrible things. They deserve judgment. They deserve death. God, that's why God says, Jonah, I want you to go there and warn them. So Jonah goes in and he does that. And while this city of Nineveh is on the brink of being destroyed by God, they repent they say, we need to turn from what we're doing. We need to turn to God. We're, we shouldn't be doing what we're doing any longer. And they turn to God, and their repentance stirs God's heart. That's what we started off reading in, in verse 10. It stirs God's heart. It said that God saw what they did, how they had turned from their evil ways, and he relented from the disaster that he was going to do to them. And this is because it's in God's nature to desire that everyone would be saved. 
It's because God's heart is for people. God's heart is for people. He, his desire is for people. And when we talk about being saved, it's not just saved from like death, like physical death. It's that he wants people to repent and turn to him so that sin wouldn't reap its consequence in people's lives. That's God's heart. He wants that repentance. He wants people to be saved. He wishes that none would perish. That's God's heart. And what's so interesting is God is so moved by this, this city of Nineveh repenting. He's willing to forgive them. And then we see God's heart for that as he says, I'm not going to destroy them. And that's contrasted by Jonah's heart, which is going the opposite direction of him. That's what it said. If you saw, um, it mentioned that Jonah was displeased with God for this. And that word displeased, it's interesting, it's translated displeased right here, but it's actually used for the word evil in other places in this book. Um, in chapter 1, verse 2, this same word that's translated displeased right here, um, it, it's the same word that's used for evil when God says, Jonah, I want you to go to the Ninevites because their evil has come up before me. It's used again in chapter 3, verse 8. When um, the, the king of Nineveh is talking to the people and he says, hey, we need to turn away from the evil that is in our hands and repent. Maybe God will relent against us. It's the same exact word. So actually a better translation, a little more clear what's actually happening here would be that Jonah said it was exceedingly evil to Jonah what God is doing. And he was angry. That's a crazy contrast. He's angry at God. You see the heart of God, forgiveness, hope. You see the heart of Jonah. What God just did is evil, and I'm angry about it. Completely different pages. That's that collision course that we're witnessing. And Jonah is responding that way because he's walking out his human nature right now. That's what human nature is. Human nature is for ourself. It's selfish. It makes us the center of attention. Jonah is looking at everything being for himself and in what's taking place before his eyes. And we're going to see when we get in it, into the second point why um, this is leading to such anger in Jonah. But before we do that, I just want us to understand this concept of how different the natures are between us and God. How they cause us to drive um, in the opposite direction of God. Um, when we aren't actively submitting to God and seeking his heart and his purposes, the default is you're just going to immediately begin to go against him. That's what happens. There's not this middle ground. You don't just fall into, oh, you know, I, I repented at some point, but I haven't really been following God, but I'm just kind of in this neutral space. You're not. If you are not in active pursuit of God's heart, you're in your nature. You're in your sin nature. You're going the opposite direction of God now. And this is why it's so important for us to understand that. And if, in fact, Galatians 5.16 says that um, we are to walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Right after that, in the next couple of verses, it actually makes the case that the Spirit is in opposition to the flesh. The flesh is our nature. That's that sin nature we have in us. It's saying that God's spirit, God's heart, the way God operates 
is in direct conflict at all times with our normal nature and flesh. So we have to choose to walk in the Spirit, unlike what Jonah is doing right now. All of us have to realize this, because if we don't, if we don't understand that there is at all moments of your life a battle between natures raging inside of you, you are going to begin to fall back into that old nature. You are going to be, begin to find yourself doing the things that are opposite of God's heart. The Bible talks about how we've been made new creations when we come to know him. That's the installation of the spirit in our lives. But the old nature is still there. We got, we got to remember that, that that's there, that there is this battle happening inside of us. So when we understand that and we're not apathetic about it, that leads us to actually be walking on the same page as God. Now, Jonah is not doing that. Jonah is so angry right now because he isn't walking in the spirit. And that's leading him to have this hardened heart towards God and towards the people of Nineveh. It's, it's part of what's leading and driving that, that anger and that, that understanding or view that what God did is evil and wrong. That's why point number two that, that's leading into this is going to be a full understanding of God leads to a softened heart. A full understanding of God leads to a softened heart. So this is going to come from verses two and three. We'll read it together. It says, And Jonah prayed to the Lord and said, O Lord, is not this what I said when I was still in my country? That is why I made haste to flee to Tarshish. For I knew that you are a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and relenting from disaster. Therefore, now, O Lord, please take my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. So I know when we first read that, I know it kind of comes across, we can get the impression that like, man, is Jonah being like a little bit of a drama queen here? Seems like he's just kind of going overboard here. It doesn't seem like it's that big of a deal. It's hard for us to see why he's, he's feeling this way. But it's so much of it comes from because he, in his human nature, is seeing what God is doing as a great injustice. We talked about in the past that Nineveh was super brutal, and they were. But so much of what Jonah is doing now is not out of fear. That's not why he was running. Jonah is making it pretty clear. There may have been fear there, but he didn't want to go to the Ninevites. He was, he's so angry right now because he sees what God is doing and who the Ninevites are as this massive injustice in the world. That's why he's so mad. Jonah has all of the oppression and all of the problems that Israel has faced because of the Ninevites in his mind. What Jonah is thinking about is the incredible violence. We've, we talked about that a few weeks ago, that the Ninevites would put on the, the nations around them. Nineveh is like the superior power on the earth in the Middle East at this time. So they're exercising their, their power and authority over people a lot. And that leads to this great violence. Jonah would be very familiar with what, like what we talked about before, an entire village having all of their, their heads cut off and this stack of a pyramid of heads outside to instill fear. Jonah probably walked by these places. He probably seen it. 
He has that in his mind when he's thinking about what God is doing. He's thinking about the brutality that he's probably knows people or knows of people that he's, he's been in villages or he knows people from Israel who have experienced these horrible fates being skinned alive and left in the sun to die. He's thinking of these horrible atrocities that have been done to people. That's what's in his mind. He's thinking about the robbery that's been done to these other nations as um, the Ninevites have instilled taxation on these, on these people, really heavy stealing from them, um, robbing them of the crops and the resources they have, enslaving them in many ways. He has that in his head. That's where he's, he's coming from. Why, that's why he's so angry. He has um, the idea and understanding that Nineveh has been leading people astray from God for a long time now as people have submitted to their culture and to what the Ninevites believe, they leave the following of the the true God and start following the gods of of Nineveh. Jonah has all that in his head. Jonah's thinking about all of this. He's thinking about how Nineveh is this massive world power and how their culture and their influence has been a primary source of horrible, horrible evil in the world. So in his mind... Jonah is so mad because God has just forgiven these people. In Jonah's mind, he's thinking, are you kidding me? These people are getting off scot-free for all of this stuff that they did? That is so evil. That's Jonah's heart. That's why he makes it very clear when what we just read a minute ago. That's why he didn't want to go to them. He says he was concerned about the mercy that they might receive from God. That's, and he didn't want that. That's why he fled in the first place. And he's basing this, his reason for who God is and how wrong all of this is, that all the things that he's seeing and the way God has responded. He's basing this off of, um, honestly, a little bit of truth. He's quoting in what we read right there when he talks about, God, I knew this is who you are. He's quoting Exodus 34, verses 6 and 7. And we're going to turn there in just a second because Jonah is, is using this as his basis of understanding for everything that's going on in front of him, for his justification. And we're going to see something very interesting as we look at this, this thing that he's basing his understanding on. So before we read it, just to give you a little... Um, kind of update on what's taking place in Exodus 34. Um, This is when, um, or it's right after, God had officially entered into a covenant with Israel to choose Israel to be his chosen people. It's right after the people of Israel have been called to now be um, God's people set apart from all of the nations of the world. And God says, I'm going to use you guys to show my blessing and my cursing on on the world. You're going to be assigned to the entire globe of who I am in my heart. And then ultimately that Jesus would come through them, that the nations of the world would be blessed because of their partnership um, with God. So Moses is there for that. That's, that's Moses is heavily involved in all of this. And Moses, after this covenant has been struck, there's this promise between him and the people of Israel. Moses is overcome and he says, Lord, would you show me your glory? I want to know who this God is that we're going to be with for the rest of eternity. And God tells him something really interesting. He says, okay, you want to see my glory? Come up on this mountain and I'm going to pass in front of you and I'm going to tell you my name. 
And that's a really big deal. Because what God means by that, names are like really significant. He's saying, I'm going to tell you who I am as God. What kind of God I am, my character, my heart. I'm going to lay that out so for you to see, so that you know exactly the kind of God you're in partnership with. And that's where we're jumping in right here. So let's read this together. Exodus 34, 6 and 7. It says, The Lord passed before Moses and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands and forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin. Now pause real quick. God's revealing some incredible stuff about himself. And what we just read right there, we would say, wow, that's, that's pretty amazing. That's who our God is. The problem is, Jonah stops right there. If you notice, that's almost a direct quote of what Jonah just said. God, I know that this is who you are. He said those exact same things, but he didn't finish it. Jonah is showing us that he actually has an incomplete view of who God is. He's leaving out the last part of what God says his name is, his character in his heart. And it's really important because that part gives us a lot more understanding about how God operates in the world. So let's finish it off. Let's see what Jonah left out. The rest of verse seven, it says that he is a God who will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children and the children's children to the third and the fourth generation. Okay. So let me kind of explain how this verse and how what Jonah left out and didn't say how that would have chained Jonah's view if he had understood it. So it's, it's a really big deal. Um, this little part of the verse gives us a lot more perspective on how God operates in the world. So it started off by saying that he is a God who will by no means clear the guilty. Pretty straightforward. What that means is God is all about justice. God's not going to allow corruption and terrible things to just go on endlessly. There is absolutely justice that is central to God's character. And then it goes on and it says that he will be visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children and the children's children to the third and the fourth generation. Now this whole part right here, this is what Jonah is not paying any attention to. He left that out. He quoted the first part, not this part. Now that last part, gives us a lot of understanding about how God works. And I know when we first read that, it doesn't really sound good. It sounds kind of bad. When we read that, our initial response is probably, are you telling me that God just said that God is going to look at the sins and the terrible things that parents did, and then he's going to wait, and then he's going to lay down the hammer on their kids for it? That doesn't seem very just or good. That's how it sounds. That's not what's actually being said here at all. It's way more complex and, and a lot deeper than that. And it's, it's important. Um, what this is saying is that God is going to be gracious and forgive um, as long as people repent. God is long-suffering. So God is when he's talking about generations and generations, the idea is that God is gracious. God is merciful. But he understands us in our nature. We are not going to just flip a switch and become 
perfect people as we walk in our life, doing everything um, in a way that honors God. That's going to take time. So it's saying that God's long-suffering. He sees that, but if we're repentant and we're trying to follow him, he's willing to work with us generation to generation to grow us further in understanding in depth in who he is. But then what it's trying to get across to us is that it's saying that he's not going to tolerate sin running rampant without end generation after generation after generation with no repentance whatsoever. God's not going to allow that. He's not going to let that slide, which is what was happening with Nineveh. That's what they had done. They were not following God generation after generation after generation, rejecting him, running the opposite way, and eventually the time ran out. God said, the clock has run out. I'm done. I've given you enough time to repent. I've waited for you from your grandfathers to their, their, their kids to then the kids after that, and you still haven't turned. So the clock's done. So he sends Jonah in there to give that warning. And when it talks about how God is visiting the iniquities on the children and the children's children to the third and fourth generation, the idea and heart behind that is that God is always returning from the grandparents to the next set of parents to the kids. He's always returning to stir up further righteousness. He's looking to pull that out. He's visiting the iniquities to get rid of them, to exercise them out of people's lives. So God's plan for humanity and for nations is very long. It's so much longer and so much more broad than what our little perspective is. So much bigger than what Jonah's perspective is. And kind of the lesson that we learn from that is it's so deeply important to make sure that we are leading our families in the truth of God. We have a responsibility to do that, to make it a point. I'm going to lead my family. I'm going to teach my kids. I'm going to pour into the people who are in my life to show them who Jesus is, what it looks like to be obedient to God and to be a, a follower of Jesus. Because if we don't do that, we're going to allow sinful and rebellious choices to just continually be passed down generation to generation to generation, which ultimately leads to judgment to when the, the hammer has to come down. We have a responsibility to not just make excuses of, oh, my grandpa treated my dad this way, and then my dad treated me this way, so that's why I am this way. You know, that's just a part of who I am. That's not an excuse. God is working with us, generation after generation, to change those things. God is saying, don't allow the things that you've said, oh, you know, people have done this for so long. It hasn't seemed like that big of a deal. I mean, God's not striking us down yet. Must not be that big of a problem. That's God's incredible long suffering at play, generation to generation to generation. And we're playing a dangerous game when we look at that and say, eh, it's not a big deal. We're going to pretend like it's nothing. God's justice is going to come into play. He is very long suffering. But eventually, justice is definitely going to be served. He's not going to wait forever. So when sin continues with no repentance, over and over and over, God shows up like he was about to do with the Ninevites. So if Jonah had fully understood the rest of that part about who God was and didn't just quote the first little piece of, oh God, I knew this was who you were, this gracious, merciful God, forgiving iniquity to thousands. That's why I didn't want you to go. 
If Jonah had that last part in mind, his heart would have been softened to everything that was happening around him. Jonah would be able to rest in God's heart for repentance and what's taking place instead of being so caught up in his own idea of what justice is. Jonah should be right now full of joy being able to witness the goodness of God on the scale that he's seeing it in front of his eyes. It's an incredible thing that he's seeing. Almost never in history has something like that happened, and he's got a front row seat to it. He should be full of joy and excitement. It should make him so happy and so thankful for the repentant heart of a full entire sinful generation of people. This capital of the world at this time has just turned to God. That should make him so thankful. But instead, he's so consumed by his own nature and by his own incomplete view about who he thinks God is, he just sees this as evil. It's a crazy contrast. You see that collision course happening right in front of our eyes between him and God. He's failed to seeing, he's failing to see that this exact grace that was given to Nineveh that they've just received, that they're so thankful for, it's the exact same grace that he's walking in. And that's why God, at this point, after Jonah has said what he said, God can't wait any longer. This is where the collision officially takes place. This is where God addresses Jonah now. Um, this is verse four. It says, and the Lord said, do you do well to be angry? This is our last point, comes from this. We need to look in a spiritual mirror and humble ourselves. Like I, like I said, after laying all of this, his feelings and his thoughts and his heart, thinking he's justified in all these things he's saying and what he did, he puts it all on the table before God. And God asks him a, a single question. It's very interesting. God says, do you do well to be angry, Jonah? That's a very self-reflective question, if you really think about it. And a better translation of what is being said there, a little bit more clear of what God's getting across, would be, he's saying, do you have the right to be angry? It's a little more sharp than it comes across. Do you have the right to be angry? God's confronting Jonah right now. God is trying to force Jonah to like slow down and stop for a minute and just like examine himself in light of everything that's going on. Examine his own life. Put things in perspective. So let's do that just very briefly. Let's recap where Jonah's at, where he's come from. Jonah starts off, he's a prophet of God. He knows the word of God. He should know better. God gives him a message. Hey, I want you to go to the Ninevites. What's he do? Turns, goes the opposite direction. That's called rebellion and sin. He doesn't want any part of it. He flees, goes the opposite way, gets on a ship to go to Tarshish, the opposite direction of where God is. He's driving the wrong way. While he's on this boat, God sends a storm to try to get, get his attention. This is a warning to Jonah. Hey, Jonah, you need to face me. You need to address this issue going on inside of your heart and in your life. What's Jonah do? He ignores it. The ship's captain and the crew, they come out on the ship. They're like, hey, man, I don't know what's going on here. You should pray to your God. Maybe, maybe this has to do with you. And Jonah acknowledges, it definitely has to do with me because I'm running the opposite direction of God. And Jonah refuses to even pray on the deck of that ship and face God. He would rather be chucked into the sea and drown than have to talk to God. 
And that's what happens. He gets thrown in the water, sinks down. He's literally drowning. And with his last breaths, as his mind is fading away, he realizes, I made a huge mistake. And literally the last few thoughts out of his mind are, Lord, would you have grace with me? Lord, would you see me? What's God do? Literally, when Jonah is on the brink of death, he sends a fish to swallow him up and save his life. Then Jonah spends all of chapter two, literally praising God for doing that. Literally talking about, God, you are so gracious. You rescued me from the depths and the deepest parts of my sin. When I was literally as far away from you as I could be on the edge of judgment, Lord, you saved my life. And then he even talks about how the people who forsake God and turn away from him, they forsake any shot at the true love and the true grace and the true mercy of their salvation. Jonah recognizes that. He recognizes his guilt. And then what happens? He gets spit up on shore, walks to Nineveh, and his heart turns on a dime. He's right back to his sinful nature, right back to this rebellious spirit against God's heart. It's so interesting. God is trying to get Jonah to realize that he is not different than the Ninevites. He wants him to humble himself before, before God. That's what God desires. God is trying to get Jonah to see that he needs the grace of God just as much as the Ninevites needed it. Ninevites mirrored him in like all of the same ways. They're running the opposite direction of God. They don't want anything to do with him. They're fleeing from him. God sends a warning to the Ninevites through Jonah saying, hey, the storm's coming. It's going to wipe you out. You got 40 days. Judgment's here. Nineveh is on the brink of death and destruction. Essentially, their last, last breaths of life. And what do they do? They repent. And God gives them grace. And this is where the heart of Jonah and the truth of God are colliding. That's where the collision is happening. It's such an amazing perspective when we see it like that. And if we're not careful, we can find ourselves on this identical collision course that Jonah is currently on and has just experienced. We can find ourselves not walking in the spirit and truth and instead walking in our own sin nature each day. We can find ourselves walking in our own incomplete views about what we think about God and we're so dead set in, but it's just a fraction of who God is and the truth. We wind up living lives where we may know some Bible verses, some Bible stories. We've memorized a few things. We attend church each week, but we wake up every single morning and we serve ourselves. We wake up every morning and we think, what's going to give my plans the most success today? What's going to make me feel the happiest today? Where's, what's the most pleasure that I can receive today? I'm going to go do those things. And we say, oh, no, well, but yeah, I do some bad stuff, but I'm still connected with God. Meanwhile, when we pray to God, all we do is ask him to serve us. Lord, would you do this for me? Would you do that for me? It's not good to, or not bad to request things from God, but when that's all we do, it might be pointing to a deeper problem. When we walk in that attitude, when we're in our sin nature, we're living that out. We're apathetic to walking in the spirit. What that does is that begins to lead us to this place where we begin to think that we're better than the people around us. 
we start to look at our culture and our world, and we start to walk in anger against them and in disgust with them. We read the news, we look at the things happening in our schools, we look at the things happening right around us in our own communities, and we say, this is disgusting. How could they be like that? How could these people live this way? How dare they be like that? And we get upset about it, and we begin to war against those people. We start to look down our noses at those things and at those people, and we want to fight against them instead of fighting for them. That's the essence of going in the wrong direction of God, being on that collision course. The entire time as we're doing this, God is trying to ask us the same exact question that he just left Jonah with. Do you have the right to be angry? He wants us to reflect on that ourselves. Because that same grace that was offered to Jonah, same grace that was offered to Nineveh, that's the grace that we get to live in and experience every day. It's the grace that we're walking out. And what we quickly find ourselves doing is instead of striving to go out into our communities, to speak truth, to pave the way for repentance alongside the Lord and his heart for people, instead of being long-suffering like God, understanding, man, these people are so messed up, but what I desire for them to come to repentance. I'm going to fight for them. Instead of pursuing people's salvation, what do we do? We sit on the couch and we avoid people. We don't go out in our communities at all. We come to church, we leave, we talk bad about them, we slander them, we talk about how horrible they are, how they deserve to be judged. We write Facebook and Instagram posts about how messed up the world is and how we can't believe all the travesties that we're seeing. All the while, we're hoping that they get the judgment that we think they deserve. When in reality, we should be in pursuit of God's heart for people. We should be in pursuit of hope for people. Recognizing that, yeah, that's true. Just like Nineveh was really messed up and they were doing a lot of really terrible things. That's a true thing. Our culture may be in the same boat. That doesn't give us the right to war against them. That's the opposite of what we're doing. We are being Jonah when we do that. It's the whole point of what we're learning, to not be like Jonah. We ourselves need to look in a spiritual mirror today and humble ourselves. We need to ask ourselves, am I walking in my sin nature or am I walking in the spirit? Do I have some incomplete views about who God is that's leading me to behave certain ways in our world that that really that is not the heart of God at all? I need to humble myself not be arrogant and entrenched in my views, what I think I know, and take a pause and reflect. These truths, what we're talking here, I know that it's fairly heavy, but that's the whole point of this book, is to show us this contrast of what's happening. That's why this is written, so that we wouldn't repeat these mistakes. These truths and this crazy contrast between the heart of God and ultimately the heart of humans— This is what's preparing us for what's going to happen next week when we finish out the book. We have to understand this weightiness and understand what's happening or else we're going to totally miss the point of what happens when this book closes. Now, my prayer for us today is that we would hear this and we would be stirred to check ourselves. 
that we'd be stirred up to be like, well, man, do I need to like do a little bit of heart searching between myself and God? I need to open up and really be brutally honest with myself. That's my hope and my prayer. I've been doing that all week. It's been very, very convicting. Because we don't want to be like Jonah, headed for this collision course with God in our own lives. Thanks for joining us for this message from Awaken Church. We'd love to hear how this message or the ministry of Awaken has impacted your life. Let us know at awaken.church forward slash my story.